The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic partner and a founding partner of the Olympic Channel, inspiring you to chase your dream. Olympic Channel podcast. I'm Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Mr. Gianni Infantino, selected member of the International Olympic Committee. Congratulations. The IOC welcomed a few new members at their latest session, including FIFA president Gianni Infantino. As the session came to a close, the chairs and tables were being put back in their place. But the man in charge of world football stayed behind to talk all things football, including the women's game, Tokyo 2020 and VAR, also known as Video Assistant Referees. Olympic Channel Podcast. It's an honour to meet you and uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us on the Olympic Channel podcast. It's, uh, it's been a busy day for you today. Thank you, yes. It's been uh, an exciting day today and uh, thanks for having me here at, at the Olympic Channel. It's a great pleasure. <laughs> uh, well, congratulations and we've spared no cost. Uh, well, we've got your uh, Olympic Channel pin. The Olympic Channel pin. Uh... It's been a long time coming, but you're finally an IOC member. I mean, how pleased are you to finally get that? Uh, it has been some time indeed, but on the other side, uh, we have been working together with, uh, with Thomas Bach, uh, with uh, uh, Christoph de Kepper, with the whole team um, regularly, and we know each other since many years. So it's not, uh, uh, I would say, uh, the fact of being member or not that has in any way whatsoever uh, um, directed the way we were working together. We were working together, now we can do it even more uh, in an even better way, certainly. So uh, I think it's, it's important, it's important for football uh, to be present um, in the Olympic community also with the president of FIFA. So I think it's, it's a nice step today. Exciting times ahead. So, um, I mean, if we look back for a second, 2019, I think um, was certainly the year the word VAR made its way into the, the cultural uh, sphere, definitely, on and off the field. How surprised are you about this impact that VAR has had, especially in Britain this year? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surprised and I have been very surprised about the impact of VAR, uh, even just as a, as a concept or as a word, as a term, which, as you say, did not exist until a couple of years ago. Uh, let's not forget that the first uh, event in which the VAR was used officially was the World Cup in 2018, so one year and a half ago. Uh, and now it is already, I mean, it's used in, uh, in, in uh, almost 50 countries, uh, regularly everywhere. It has become a benchmark uh, to some extent with, uh, you know, its strengths and its weaknesses, with some critics and criticisms. Uh, but uh, I think it's pretty normal for something that uh, football has been waiting for for 150 years and now it's there and now after one and a half year we cannot pretend it to be perfect but what it is, it is certainly progress, it is certainly a step in the, in the right direction, it is a help for the referees, it has them to be used as well in the appropriate way and there is still some fine tuning to be done in certain countries in particular uh, but uh, you know if you go and watch uh, in uh, uh, an encyclopedia, the, the term progress, uh, you'll probably find the definition better than before or something like this. And, you know, before VAR, 
We had a whole bunch of decisions which were wrong. After VAR, a whole bunch of decisions which were wrong before have become right. Not all of them, but a whole bunch of. So it is definitely progress. I think um, one of the things that I get the impression of is that some of the average fans, uh, like they're, they're losing sight of that perhaps. How concerned are you that that battle for the hearts and the minds of the fan in the stand is being, is being won for FIFA in favour of VAR? Well, I'm confident when I see uh, the experience made in those countries which are using VAR for now three years, uh, such as Italy, for example, and they went through as well at the beginning some uh, turbulent times with some critics, uh, with some criticism, with some uh, experience which had, had to be made in how to use uh, the VAR for the referees. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't take uh, uh, the current uh, critics uh, or criticism from England in particular um, and the Premier League uh, uh, in a you know, too dramatic way. We have to take it seriously, we have to take it into account, we have to study it. Uh, but uh, uh, if we look at how it was implemented around the world, um, I mean, everywhere it has been successful. There is no reason why in England it cannot be successful, if it has been successful everywhere else. Uh, so we will work together and we will make the best. And if we need to adapt certain things, we will adapt certain things, because it's, of course, um, work in progress. We want to be modern, we want to be uh, listening uh, to the experiences as well, to the new ones. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that VAR is here to stay uh, and here to get better and better and better and to help the referees because that's the main task referees who have an incredibly difficult job to do offsides of something that's been particularly like looked over and like tiny millimeter decisions have been kind of poured over in a way that that hasn't happened before because it was so finite the referee's view was final and now we've opened the door what we've, we thought was a, a kind of a black and white decision into a grey area that perhaps we didn't even know was, was, was possible. How do you plan or how does FIFA plan to strike that balance between what is the flow and the, uh, the flow of the game and uh, the natural course of the game and these kind of finite things that, that need to be like black and white? Well, I, I think that as technology improves as well, the, 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 even the fine details will become more and more clear, right? Um, and that's certainly one element. Uh, we also have to see how VAR has to be applied. And for example, it is important that VAR is there to support the referee. It shouldn't be somebody else taking the decision on behalf of the referee. And this is how VAR is implemented and applied in almost every part of the world, but not everywhere. And there are some issues which come out of that as well. The referees have to go, they have to check, and then they have to take uh, a decision. And, and if, it is, if there is no clear evidence, for, for example, that uh, uh, a situation is black or white, as you say, but if it's grey, well, then the referee has to take responsibility and decide according to what, uh, to what he has seen. So I think it is, uh, again, part of a new system um, which we are working on, but, uh, but you know, we are, we are very happy because we have to look at 
the overall picture. And when it comes to the flow of the game, this was one of my uh, greatest worries before testing it. And when we tested it and when we actually implemented it as well, we found out that it actually doesn't interrupt the flow of the game. I mean, the intervention is, at the end of the day, is, is, is around once every three games. Uh, and I think football can afford to have one intervention every three games in order to change a decision which would otherwise have been wrong. So it gives more justice, it cleans the game a bit more. It has a lot of also positive side effects because players, they know now they, that they cannot get away with you know, things that might, maybe before they would have uh, managed to escape. So I think, uh, I mean, things like simulations and so on have dramatically decreased in those uh, leagues which have implemented VAR. So it has a lot of side effects as well. And I think when we analyze the situation, we shouldn't be uh, taken by the heat of a decision which can be wrong, but we should always take a step back, analyze the whole picture and then uh, decide from there. Speaking of propositions, Germany. Oh, a little space building up here for the opening goal. And what a start, it's Marajan. The key component in the first half pulled the midfield strings, has now broken the deadlock in this final. It's advantage Germany at the Maracanã. Let's go over to the women's game, which is growing and has grown, especially over the past 12 months at a rate exponential. We've not seen it happen like this before. Um, money, sponsors, in influence. Yep. Um, it'd be foolish though to think that the job is, is done when it comes to equality in, in football. Um, how far away do you think we are from having a female footballer with kind of the profile, um, the money, the power, the influence of a Lionel Messi or a Cristiano Ronaldo? I hope we are not too far. Uh, and uh, uh, what we have seen last year in, in, in 2019 with, uh, with the Women's World Cup in France has really been unprecedented with uh, viewing figures, including in, in, in countries in which women's football was not really relevant before, such as Italy or Brazil, um, but also uh, in England, obviously, and, and um, uh, the US, we knew it and we know it. Uh, France was, was incredible. I mean, where the women's national team had higher viewing figures than the men's national team in the same period in official games, not in friendly games. Uh, this, is, this is showing that it is uh, changing, it is moving. Now we have to build on that, uh, which uh, is, I think, our task by offering as well um, new events, new competitions, new ideas to, to the women's game. It shouldn't just be a copy-paste of the men's game, but we have to be innovative, we have to be creative. and. Uh, in the way we organize, but also in the way we commercialize. And this is certainly one of the, um, of the big mistakes which was done uh, in the past, I probably think by probably all um, sports governing bodies which, who commercialized rights. They commercialized the men's competitions and uh, to the sponsor broadcaster would buy the men's, they would give them kind of for free or on top or just as a goodwill or whatever gesture. Okay, you can... You can uh, uh, be sponsor as well of the of the women's game as well of the women's World Cup or whatever. Uh, this definitely has to change. We need dedicated resources for the women's game, and uh, we need stars as well. Uh, we have certainly a few that are coming up. 
uh, and I hope that, uh, well, in the near future we can see women having the same impact as the big Messi's or Ronaldo's uh, in the men's game. There's been talk that the Women's Club World Cup, um, or at least you were talking about yeah. that just after the World Cup, yeah. is that that's yes. right? And there's, there's some money that's going to be, be put into that. Um, what are the plans and would it make sense to run that at the same time as the Men's Club World Cup? It's something to, to study. Um, I mean, we have decided at FIFA to uh, invest. I'm very happy that the FIFA Council followed my uh, request in this respect and my recommendation to invest one billion US dollars in the development of the women's game in the next four years. Uh, this one billion will be invested in uh, competitions for women at the grassroots level, but also at top level. And part of that is or should be at least uh, that's, that would be, and that is my proposal, uh, to think about a new competition which does not exist, the Club World Cup for women. Because obviously uh, the basis in football is the club event. We cannot have throughout the year national team matches uh, being played. Uh, we'll have 10 matches a year from the national teams, but we'll have 40, 50 matches from clubs. And that's why we need to focus on building clubs. In Europe, um, in particular, the professional European clubs have understood it, and now most of them have a women's football section within uh, the club. This is helping a lot, uh, but we need to make sure that club football develops as well outside of Europe. And for this reason, I think that a Club World Cup, a women's Club World Cup, is definitely needed. It's something good. It can even be played every year or every two years because there is a lack of top-level competitions for the time being and we need to close uh, this gap and this lack. And uh, let's see if, uh, if we can get some support for that. And maybe at the same time as the uh, as the men's, is this uh, is this something that you would like to see more of, like a line in the men's tournaments with the women's tournaments? Um, I think it should be a specific uh, tournament. I think if we want to have uh, a women's football develop, it shouldn't just be uh, the opener of the men's uh, game, be the tournament or something. It can be a good promotion, maybe to kick it off, but uh, it has then to develop, and the strategy must be to develop it on its own. Uh, because uh, you know it has the, certainly the possibility to become huge. I mean, the last women's World Cup for national teams has attracted more than one billion viewers. This is this is I mean way above even other men's sports, right? Uh, so I think the potential is there to give it its own important segment in the international match calendar. As an IOC member, Mr Infantino will be at Tokyo 2020. Are you uh, excited now as an IOC member to be uh, heading to Tokyo 2020? Definitely, uh, definitely I will, uh, I will be there. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, Tokyo is a beautiful city. 
it's, it's a wonderful city and, and uh, this summer will be a big, big celebration uh, of sports. I'm looking forward to go to watch uh, some of the other sports, not only football, that's this unique element of the Olympic Games. But the football tournament will be, uh, will be great as well. Um, of course, the women's one in particular, where we have really the, the top, top players uh, competing. So after the World Cup in France, uh, the Olympics in Tokyo will be uh, great for the promotion of the women's game. I'm looking very, very much forward. For a last question we have on the podcast, we uh, make sure we ask everyone uh, a bit of a random last question. So I was trying to think of a good one for Mr. Infantino. Oh, good luck. And my last question for you would be, would you prefer to play golf with a football or football with a golf ball? <sighs> That's a good question. That is a good question. Well, I, see, I don't play golf because I uh, don't think I would have the patience to, uh, I don't know how you, how you say in English, to uh, put a small ball like that in a small hole like that, which is kind of, I don't know how many meters uh, away. Fair, yeah. I would probably, after the first five minutes, lose the patience and throw everything away and go back to football. So I think for those who love golf, they should continue playing golf with a golf ball and we stick to our football and uh, continue to enjoy it uh, with uh, a real ball. <laughs> OK, so you, would, you don't fancy taking the football to the golf, no the golf way, course no at the moment? Way, no way, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Mr. Infantino. Let's remain traditional. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Infantino, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Big thanks to FIFA president Gianni Infantino. We have had some amazing footballers on the podcast already. She's the top UEFA women's club scorer of all time. Arda Hergerberg of Olympic Lyonnais joined us on the podcast and here's a clip. We live in a world of change, I believe. You can see that more and more women stand up for the rights, especially in sports, uh, as well in the society. So it's all about supporting each other, I think. I'll put a link in the episode description for that one. Arda as well, very recently, has ruptured her ACL and is out for the season. So all the best on the recovery from that. It's a really, really, really tough, tough injury to deal with. If you have enjoyed the podcast, then leave us a five-star review on the podcast app. Writing a few kind words is also helpful too. Give us a follow. We are at Olympic Channel across all social platforms. I am at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E. That is it for now, though. See you soon. Think like an Olympian.